listening to First Church Charlotte. Let's look together Hebrews chapter number 4, and we're going to read at verse number 15. Thank you for standing. It's the habit of our church to honor the word of the Lord. Hebrews 4 and verse number 15. This is a passage where the writer who is actually appealing to the Hebrew believers and trying to show them uh, the great superiority of Jesus Christ over the law of Moses, over the old tabernacle, over the old temple, over all the old forms of worship, both ceremonial and uh, the law that was rightly given by God, but it has been fulfilled and superseded by Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? And so the writer in the book of uh, Hebrews says this, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. Somebody say touched. Touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So I'm preaching here this morning from this idea, touching fire, touching fire. The Bible says our God is a what? A consuming fire. And yet we want to touch God and we want God to touch us. It's like I preached last week about how his spirit agrees with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. Do you see? His spirit agrees with our spirit. We are the sons and daughters of God. I want to touch God and I want God to touch me. Somebody say in Jesus name before you're seated high five your neighbor and say I want to see you touch God. Amen. Amen. So, man, I love church. Let's get going because I'm a long-winded preacher. I want to be more like my wife as I get older. And um, we're going to get right into the scripture and see if we cannot learn together and grow together. Uh, I want to start by giving you what is perhaps the saddest, the saddest study that's ever been done, in my opinion, in all the all of the stories of uh, studying human development and all of the scientific studies that have been done looking at the health and the development of children. The saddest study that, in my opinion, has ever been done was a study that was done in uh, South America years ago when, due to a tremendous uh, setback at a South American orphanage, there was a cut, a drastic cut in uh, funding, and they had all of these uh, children and babies to take care of. And it was unintentional, but it happened. And that is, uh, they had so many babies and so little money to pay workers that they had a large number of children that did not get adequate uh, attention, care, handling, play. They were just babies and they would feed them uh, and they would rush to the next one. They would change their diapers and they would run to the next one. There was not enough staff to adequately care for these children ages three months to three years. And of course, uh, the nurses took care of them and fed them and bathed them and changed their diapers, but there was no time because there were so many. There was no time to hold and cuddle and talk to them as someone who loved them would 
would do. And uh, many of them, many of them immediately started showing signs of uh, mental cognitive distress. Uh, Many of them were uh, damaged. And when they came back, when they actually had the funds to restore proper levels of care, even by the standards of uh, an orphanage, uh, they realized what had happened. And that's when researchers wanted to understand this as a, as a study. And of course, this story is told in the book, Unfinished Business, written by Charles Sell. And what happened is in, um, of these 97 children, 27 of them, almost a third of them died in the first year. And they did not die from a lack of food. They did not die from a lack of health care. They literally died from a lack of touch and emotional nurturing. This is the saddest study that I have ever come across in the whole annals of literature on human development. Seven more of them died in the second year. Only 21 of the 97 ultimately lived all through, survived through all, all those years of their, of their neglect. Most of them that survived had massive developmental psychological damage. You wouldn't think of it that way. You wouldn't think that it's not enough to just have the basics you need to be touched. We don't think of it that way. We, we, we think in terms of, you know, do I have shelter? We think in terms of, do I have, do I have food? Do I, do I have the basic necessities? But I, I want to remind you that God so made you and God so created you that you need to have the touch of God in your life and you need to have the loving care and the kind affections of other people who love you, believe in you, support you, and hold up your weary arms in the time of your struggle and your suffering. Somebody say, I need it. Uh, we are oftentimes fooled by our own nature, especially us men. Men, let me talk to you for a second. Let me get real practical. Us men, uh, we if we're not careful, if we're not stuck in circumstances where we are placed in uh, community and we are placed in, in fellowship, we will tend to isolate ourselves and think of it as, you know, almost an honorable thing. We almost think of ourselves as this kind of lonely cowboy riding across the range, keeping our eye out for danger, you know, and we, we have this aggrandized view of ourselves that, that we're making our own way. Let me tell you something, that is a deception that men are particularly, um, they're particularly inclined toward. You need people, you need people to check on you, you need pastors to nag you when you don't show up at church. I know some of you tease me about that text you get on Monday about we really missed you, much love, hope you have a great week. Y'all tease me because you know I'm going to do it. News flash. I'm not going to stop doing it. You need people to love you. You need someone to notice when you're there and when you're not there. And so we all of us need community, uh, even in the harshest environments and the harshest social conditions that the story of humanity can uh, 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 create or experience, even in our worst prisons. The worst thing you can do to somebody is solitary confinement. Even in a society where they are violent, they are angry, they're filled with rage, the worst thing you can do to them is solitary confinement. We need each other. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for every one of you who pray for me. I'm thankful for all of you who 
will send me a, a message or catch me after church and say, are you okay? I want you to know I'm praying for you. I believe, I believe in you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I want all of you to know I believe in you. I'm praying for you. I'm checking on you. I want to see you prosper in the house of God. Can I have an amen? Amen. And so we must be touched by others. We must be touched by God. Uh, this is true uh, in a physical sense, yes, but it's also true in a emotional, a spiritual, and a psychological, psychological sense. If I were to ask you what the largest organ of your body uh, is, you probably would forget about your skin, but your skin is the largest organ in your body, and our sense of touch defines us in ways we don't even we don't even comprehend we we use the terminology of of touch and we think in terms of affection with people we love and oftentimes we don't always speak words when we when we are with someone we love sometimes we just put a pat them on the back or we pat them on the arm or we give them a hug and the language of our touch is that which communicates what is at that moment unspoken by by our mouths and yet and yet and yet we know that in the story of humanity and the story of sin the story of rebellion we know that we were separated from the presence of God through sin we know this it the story is given to us in the the the, the scripture you guys know the story if you've been around church much at all you know how how the children the excuse me how Adam and Eve they they literally uh, lost their first first place of being, that place where they were supposed to be. There was one thing in the garden they could not touch. They could not touch, and that was the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. Do not touch. It is off limits. Of course, you guys know human nature. Uh, You want someone to do something, tell them not to do it, uh, particularly at a certain stage of their life and they will define their state of being by what you told them not to do. And so they lost their place of uh, a fellowship with God, their easy familiarity with God. It's lost to them once the Lord walked with them in the evening as a friend and talked to them as a friend. And, and that is lost because they touched that which was off limits to them. And now they are banished from this place. And, and, and the image the scripture gives us is the the, the angel with a flaming sword and the the fire of purity is what keeps the people that God created out of the garden of his purpose and his perfection. See the angel standing and the fire separating that which is of God, that which is righteous, that which is holy, separating that from this state of humanity, sin, rebellion, failure, etc. And so we enter a whole new age, a whole new story of the relationship between God and man. And we are, we find the relationship with God defined by the lack of touch. It is now defined by that which we cannot touch. So you 
starts with the tree. But in in Exodus, they're setting boundaries around the Mount of Sinai where the law is going to be given. The covenant of God is going to be given there. And they build boundaries around. And they say, don't go near it. They say, don't touch it. Because now your rightness or wrongness with God is clear because God has been removed from your presence. And we in our sin cannot stand the righteousness of God. Its very purity has become like a consuming fire to us. It has come become not simply what would warm us, but it has become that which would destroy us, our God and his righteousness. And in his holiness has become a consuming fire to us that would destroy us in our flaws. And so you can't go near this mountain of God. Leviticus 5 starts a long list of things you cannot touch. If a soul, verse number 2, chapter 5, if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be the carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of unclean cattle or a carcass of unclean creepers, things and if it be hidden from him he also shall be unclean and guilty doesn't matter if you meant to be unclean doesn't matter if you intentionally touched that which was unclean if you touch it you are unclean so it is with all the manifestation of the power of God Moses is going to be sent to lead the people of Israel out of bondage and into freedom and God gets his attention with a consumed bush that miraculously defies all the laws of physics and it burns and burns and burns but is not consumed and the divine testimony of God shown in that moment is a flag as it were, is an announcement to Moses, your days of the wilderness are over, I've got a work for you to go and do. And so Moses goes with a message let my people go. You see this this, this new day, this new uh, uh, covenant through Moses, through Abraham. But that which is holy unto the Lord is beyond our touch. You can't go into the holy of holies. It is sacred unto the Lord. You cannot touch the ark of the covenant lest you die. It is sacred unto the Lord. Doesn't matter why you touched. Doesn't matter what your intentions are. Our God is a consuming fire. And when you touch that ark, ark, whether you're like Uzzah and you're trying to save the ark from a really bad idea of how to transport it contrary to God's will. Doesn't matter why you touched it. You are judged in that moment. If you touch, you are unclean. And so all of our life story of God's nearness to us is that he can be close, but we cannot touch him. And we are defined by the holy that we cannot touch and the unholy that we should not touch. I want to point out something that's easily missed by us. The commandment is not not to touch these things if you have sinned. It doesn't matter if you've kept the law or not. You don't get to touch these. Because your best efforts doesn't make you holy enough. You need a high priest. 
It's not as though the commandment says, if you haven't been living right, you can't touch the ark. But if you've kept the law, then you're holy and you can touch it. No, none of us can touch this consuming fire uh, that is God. And so you see the isolation, the separation. You see this list of things you cannot touch that are unclean. And list of things you cannot touch because you are unclean. Do you see? And yet in the middle of it, there is even so within the heart of humanity, this passion to know God, this passion to understand, this passion to be reunited with our creator, this passion to walk with him and be like him and be of him. And and Job says it so beautifully in, in the book that he wrote. He says, oh, that I knew where I might find him. Oh, that I knew where he was. I would love to stand in his presence. But there's this problem. I'm just a man. I'm a I'm clay. I'm I'm flawed. I am I am me and God is untouchable and unreachable and unknowable. And uh, there are that which I cannot touch because they are unclean, but compared to God, I am unclean. And so I cannot touch this expresses the condition of the heart. I want to remind all of you of something. There is something in you that desires to be reunited with your creator. It's not enough for you to have a distant relationship with him. The things of this world will not satisfy. I know you have to pursue them because that's what it means to mature. And I know you have to think that that'll make you happy because that's the story of the human mind. But I'm here to tell you that new car will lose its new car smell. And you will still have a payment that will smell bad every month you get it. The things of this world are not going to make you happy. You have something within you that hungers God. I said you have something within you that wants to walk with God. You want to feel his presence in your life. You were placed with eternity in your hearts. And so nothing temporal will ever satisfy. And yet how can we who are so easily burned... How can we, who are so unclean in our hearts, how can we endure the consuming fire of God? So you have seen, and there's so many more scriptures. I literally could beat you about the head, neck, and shoulders with Old Testament scripture on things you can't touch. And I want you to see something that this that happens in the New Testament where everything seems to be reversed and rather than long lists of that which you cannot touch you see this man Christ Jesus who by his teaching and by his authority is known by all to be more than just a man and you see this one in whom all the hopes of the promises made unto the fathers all of these hopes are encapsulated in this man And he uh, was ordinary in his birth. And he was often uh, considered to be among the lowly. And the prophet said he had no comeliness, no form, particularly attractive form or comeliness that we would be attracted to him of our flesh. He was ordinary. He was in a, uh, a poor family, so to speak. 
stuck with the blue collar workers and and uh, here he is and yet he is the son of God this is the very essence of God in a human form this is a walking theophany of flesh this is God almighty with us the hope of glory is anyone excited about Jesus here today Jesus is the one who has superseded the covenant of Abraham and he has fulfilled the covenant of Moses and he has become, as you will read if you read the book of Hebrews, he has become a better sacrifice and he has become a better altar upon which the sacrifice will be laid. Man, I wish I could preach a little bit here today. And he is a better high priest and he and you are complete in him. And he walks, and he preaches, and he loves. And rather than carrying a scroll of things you can't touch, and how God cannot touch you, you find scripture after scripture after scripture again. I could shock you with the endless renditions of scripture in this regard. But it is in direct contrast to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you can't touch God and God can't touch you. But in the New Testament, you're reading Matthew 8 and 15. Jesus touched her hand and her fever left her. Wait a minute, she's sick. You're not supposed to touch the unclean. Jesus touched her hand and fever left her. Matthew 17 and 7. Jesus touched them and said, arise and be not afraid. Luke 22 and 51, Jesus touched his ear and healed him. Matthew 20 and 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. Luke 7 and 14, Jesus came and touched the coffin that held the dead body. And he said, arise, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And the young man uh, from that moment came back to life. Uh, On and on and on and on. Matthew 8 and 3, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Who did he touch? He touched a leper. You're not supposed to touch a leper. The leper, I could read you the passage in the Old Testament where the, uh, the, the, the leper in whom the plague is found, this is Leviticus 13, 45 and 46, his clothes shall be rent, his head shall be bare, he shall cover his mouth with a covering, and he shall cry, unclean, unclean, and you will know you cannot touch him all the days of his life as the plague is in him, you cannot touch him, and the Bible says the leper shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. But here is God showing up, taking a human body, living, filling this body with his Holy Spirit. And what does God want to do? As soon as he gets in a human body, he starts touching everybody. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying here today? This is Jesus walking through our life. Don't be afraid. I love you. Be healed. Arise. You thought God couldn't touch you and he's rushing through the crowd saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. Be not afraid. Do you see? Jesus changed everything from the God you cannot touch to the God who wants to touch you.
And so when Jesus touches them and heals them, it's a big deal. He could do the miracle without touching them. You need to see the heart of God. You can be religious like, say, some of the scribes and Pharisees and not and miss the heart of God. You've got to see the heart of God. So it is some people at the last day, they will, they will say, did we not cast out demons in your name? They were people of the name. And they fooled the devil. I mean, that's how spiritual they were. It's easy to fool me. I'm human. It's hard to fool the devil. He's been around a little while. It's like, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? Hmm, how about that? These are people so spiritual, they fooled the devil. They get to heaven, and the Lord said, I never knew you. He doesn't say you didn't keep the law. He doesn't say you didn't obey the scripture. He says, I never knew you. Do you see the heart of God? That new is intimacy. We can do everything right and miss the heart of God. Can you see the heart of God? He wants to walk through your life and touch everybody he can touch. I love you. I set, I want to set you free. I love you. I love you. And so you see in the scripture, they brought all the children to him and the Bible said so he could touch them Mark 10 he see the heart of God see the heart of God Mark 3 Jesus had healed many in so much that they pressed upon him for to touch him in Matthew 8 he touched the leper and said I will be thou clean and immediately the man's leprosy was gone and so you see again and again the heart of God he doesn't have to touch you to heal you he chooses to touch you do you see he doesn't have to touch the leper to heal him. He can speak, but he chooses to touch him. He doesn't have to touch the blind man. He can just speak, but he chooses to touch him. Hear me today. God would like to be your friend. God would like to walk with you. God would like to speak into your heart. God would like to know you. God would like to touch you. This must be a house where we come in faith and we say, God, I want to touch you. And having touched God, we open our heart and allow him to touch so I want to I want you to see how important it is in our life for us to experience the presence of God one of the reasons why we have altar services the way we do and we invite everyone to come down one of the reasons why we do this is because it's not enough to know it's not enough to hear it's not even enough to go out and start organizing your life in a good way I want to feel the presence of God I want to know him I want to be partaker of his divine nature and so we gather in the front and all of you who are who are here you know we don't embarrass anybody we never make anything awkward if it's awkward it's because you made it awkward we ain't going to make it awkward it's just an open place where we can stand in the presence of God and say, I want to touch you, oh God. Remember the story of the lady with the issue of blood and she, uh, she, she says within herself, and I've preached this so many times, you guys know the story. Lady, she has a, a disease where her body continually is uh, bleeding and she is weak uh, continually and anemic continually. She's gone to every doctor and she cannot get help that she needs. But she hears Jesus is coming in town and so she has a conversation with herself. I hope we all could learn from this conversation this lady's going to have with herself. She speaks faith to herself. Elbow your neighbor and say, you need to learn to speak faith to yourself. She said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall. Huh. Not maybe I'll get lucky. I shall be whole. She spoke faith to herself. 
You know what? When I come to the house of the Lord, I try to speak faith all the way here. I try to say, Lord, I'm, I'm excited for what you're going to do here today. I'm excited for the work that you're doing in me. I need lots of work, Lord. You know that. I'm like a, a lemon. <laughs> Something's breaking all the time. Lord, I'm excited. I want to be somebody who speaks faith to myself. She said within herself, if I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. There's another whole uh, message here that she was acknowledging his Christ, uh, his Christ, the fact that he was Jesus Christ because the 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 Old Testament prophecy is he shall come with healing in his wings. That word wings means the fringe of the garment. That's what they called the fringes of the high priest's garment, the wings. And she said, if I can touch, because of the Old Testament prophecy, the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Why? Because he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so he um, he has this moment. She touches him. He stops. They're in a crowd. Yeah, you can read this story yourself in Matthew 9. And uh, they're in a crowd. He stops. He says, oh, somebody touched me. And, and Peter's always there to help the Lord. You know, Peter's one of these guys who's always trying to save Jesus. You'll get that later on. Um, and, and so he's like, Lord, Lord, you're in a crowd. Can't you see you're in a crowd? What, what's going on? What do you mean you're in a crowd? Everybody's touching you. I've been bumping you all day. And the Lord's like, no, Peter, you've been bumping me on accident. Somebody touched me on purpose. Sometimes I come to church and I get blessed by accident. <laughs> I get blessed because Brother Don was fired up, you know, and uh, he's fired up when his wife is here, but if his wife is working, he's not as fired up. Y'all pray for Don. And um, uh, I get blessed because Brother Anthony was blessed, you know what I mean? I, I, I get blessed because Brother Jeff was blessed. You see what I'm saying? Uh, that's touching God by accident. Some Sundays I come here, I've already made up in my mind. I'm touching God if I'm the only one in the house. I don't care if you like the singing or not, honey. I need something from God today. I don't care if the preacher's your favorite message or not. I need something from God today. I made up before I ever came up in this house. I made up my mind. I am going to touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to touch him on purpose, not by accident. And I want you to see that he is the God that is touchable. He is the one we can touch. Because that happened, that story of the lady happened in Matthew chapter number 9. And, and I'm almost done. My musicians can come. That happened in Matthew chapter number 9. She said, if I can touch his garments, I shall be whole. Uh, but in Matthew 14, five chapters later, the Bible gives us that this in verse 35. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. One lady started a miracle idea and pretty soon it swept through the whole community. Initially it was one lady saying if I just can touch later on everybody's saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Hear me, it is true that we cannot stand in the terrifying holiness of God. Uh, it is true that we cannot stand to see the stunning godliness of God. It is true that no man hath seen him in his divine creative essence at any time and live. That is in the New Testament. Uh, what we see God manifest in the flesh. And so the author of the book of Hebrews points out this. We have a high priest who uh, is touchable. 
he, he knows, he feels, he understands, and he is touchable. And so this is my appeal to every one of you here today. I want you to remind yourself that the highest, the highest experience you can have in this life is to feel the presence of God flow through you like a cleansing wind from heaven. And the greatest experience you can have is just like happened on the day of Pentecost. Let me point out one significance that we often rush past in our, our rush to get to the, 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 the heavenly tongues that were given. The Bible said there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire. What's the significance of fire? We're talking about touching fire here today. What's the significance of fire? Well, when the tabernacle was ordained and the law was given at the beginning, fire fell, symbolizing the presence of God. Do you see? When they built Solomon's temple and Solomon prayed and said, if it is true, and he's asking a question of the heavens, if it is true that, that God will abide with man, then, then hear our prayer. And what happens? The Lord answers with fire. Fire falls in Solomon's temple and lights the sacrifice. And on the day of Pentecost, the answer to Solomon's question, can God dwell with men, happens in a very personal way. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It is the initial powerful manifestation of the presence of God at the giving of the law, at the, build, at the building of the temple, and on the day of Pentecost. It didn't happen every year at the, at the giving of the temple, but it happened at the beginning, the cloven tongues of fire. What are you saying, God? What are you saying, God? This is what he's saying. Yes, I'm God. And I'm high and holy. And I am untouchable and powerful. And beside me there is none other. Yea, behold, verily I say, I have observed and I see none. And yes, your good works are like filthy rags. And your best efforts will not get you a key card to this club. But I have so arranged it that since you couldn't touch me, I decided I would touch you. The, hear me today. Now, we're a passionate church. We're comfortable with being passionate. We're comfortable with crying out to the name of the Lord. I want to appeal to everyone here today, uh, wherever, wherever your, whatever your church experience has been, if you will begin to seek after God and pursue God and in the quiet of your own devotions, say, oh God, I'm hungry to know you. I want to feel you in my life. I want to celebrate your promise. I want to know you. Let me tell you, the same evidence that transformed the lives of the disciples and put them on track to turn their world upside down will be placed in your heart and in your life. And you can touch the holy fire of God. You touch him and he touches you. You know why we have passionate church? Because I want to touch God. You know why I lift my voice? You know why we sing passionately? You know why we're a church that we don't get more excited at ball games than we do at church? 
at least if we do, shame on you. <laughs> See how I did that? I just threw that one in there for free. <laughs> we are excited about God because he touched us. And it changed everything. And now all we want to do is be close to him. Let's all stand all across the house. I'd like to invite everyone here today. Uh, I promise you we won't in any way embarrass you. You'll be completely comfortable. But I'd like you to join the habit of a passionate church. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that you would make our zeal strong for you, God. Lord Jesus, I pray that as individuals, we would not use church as a crutch, but that we would use it as a celebration, as a focusing of purpose, as a organizing of divine passion, but that we would not slump through our weeks, sliding lower and lower and lower and weaker and weaker and more carnal and more carnal until finally Sunday comes around and we're restored. But oh God, this passion that is in this house right now, let somebody get a grip on it and let somebody light a fire in their heart. We don't want to be driven, God. We want to be called. I'm not a cowboy. I don't drive cattle. I try to lead sheep. I don't want to drive people to spirituality, Lord. I don't want to drive people to focusing on you. Let there be a fire in our spirit, God. That we protect against the coldness of our jobs and careers. Let there be a fire in our heart that we protect against the setbacks and losses of finances. A fire that is untouchable by the ups and downs of our carnal life. And within our hearts, just as in the tabernacle and in the temple was a flame that never was allowed to go out. Let us have in our heart a flame of zeal for God that we do not let go out. We keep it burning. We keep it burning. We tend that flame. We tend that flame. We trim that lantern. We check that fire in Jesus' Would you praise the Lord one more time all across the house? Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.